The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired, uh, let's see, yes, November 22nd, 2008. It was titled Layoff, Salaries, and Sex in Second Life. In this episode, this is the uh, original description. Uh, in this episode, Karen is all doom and gloom about the economy while Jim looks for the silver lining for recruiters suffering from the econoclips. Get it? Like the apocalypse. By referring them to different industries to recruit for. Or at least Jim tries to. Karen won't let him speak. Plus, Jim and Karen discuss a rather bizarre, sad, but true story of sex in Second Life. It seems that even in a recession, there is at least one industry that is still doing well. Guess which one it is. <laughs> All this and more in your favorite recruiting podcast, The Recruiter's Lounge. Now, a quick uh, note for those who are unfamiliar with the term Second Life. That was sort of like a virtual city. I think Second Life is still around now. Uh, but back then, it was really, really hot and popular. Sort of like playing a uh, video game where people would interact with each other as virtual characters. Okay, uh, if you want more information, look that up, Second Life. <laughs> All right, uh, enough of that. Uh, on with the show. Launching an innovation in HR tech is no small feat. With all of the noise and countless vendors in the market, sometimes the most promising innovations don't get the chance they deserve to impact HR. And while early and growth stage founders are highly innovative, most aren't experts at scaling revenue to drive growth and support their vision, which can mean the end of the road for many startups. That's where Pure ACV comes in. We've had the great fortune of working with some of the most innovative brands in HR tech for over three decades to build compelling messaging and solid scalable teams that drive growth, giving these innovations a chance to impact how HR is done. To learn more, visit us at pureacv.com. Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Matinen, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Hello, everyone. Before the show starts, I wanted to give you a heads up on First Thursday. First Thursday is an online networking event held every month. A uh, different worthy cause is supported each time. Cost $10 to participate, and all of the money goes to the charity being supported that month. The very cool thing about First Thursday is that you don't have to show up <laughs> uh, in person to take advantage of this networking opportunity. All you need is a telephone and uh, access to the Internet. Uh, we'll be using a service called Blitz Time, which is sort of like speed dating, but instead of looking for love or people are looking for networking and business opportunities. For more information about First Thursday and how you can... Uh, donate to a worthy cause, go to uh, therecruiterslounge.com slash first dash Thursday. That's www.therecruiterslounge.com slash first dash Thursday. And you get all the information there about the cause being uh, celebrated that month. 
as well as information on how to take part in this uh, speed networking blitz that we have. Uh, much love goes out to Blitz Time for helping us to facilitate this event. All right, that's enough for now. On with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is your host with the most, Jim Stroud. Um, with me in the lounge chair, as always, you know our you lover, Karen Matten. How are you, Karen? Now, are you like half awake or half asleep? Should we do this another time? Like, Am I half awake? Half, what do you mean? Well, you sound so... Okay, you must be... You're sick then, right? No, I'm not sick. You just sound excitable. I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing this. I'm all right, all right, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Okay. Hello, everybody. It's me. That's her. <laughs> now, see, that's that's what it sounds like if somebody's like tired. No, no, you usually go, "Hello, it's in the land, and it's Chinstra with our host, Carrot." You know, anyways, whatever. Hello, everybody. This doing? is the Recruiters Lounge. I'm Jim Stroud. That's Karen. Woo! Thanks for listening. I don't know why, because, I mean, our conversation is going to be kind of, like, a little depressing today, but I don't know. I'm just kind of, like, faking it till I make it kind of a thing. I will go into the the weird story we were talking about before we started. Oh, my gosh. That was the weirdest story I think I've heard in a long time. And on one level, it didn't make sense to me. And on another level, it didn't make sense to me. Are we talking about which one, the employment one? No, not the employment one, the one about the virtual world. Oh, my gosh. Okay, it's not employment-related, but it's funny as heck, okay? It's weird. Okay, a woman in England, she's a spring chicken. She was 28 years old, and her husband that she met online, um, uh, he's 40. She caught him a couple of times in a virtual relationship, having sex, actually, even one with a prostitute. Now, keep in mind... This was in the virtual world. Not in, it, she did not walk in them into the bedroom and saw her husband uh, having sex with another woman in person. No, and, he, and the person was in America too, by the way. The person was in America. Where was the other person at? They're in. The, uh, he's in England, and there the woman was in America. Okay, so so the husband's in England. The woman he was the, the the person he was having sex with was in America, but they were not physically having sex. Their avatars in Second Life were having sex. Correct. Correct. No. And and this guy paid this woman to have virtual sex with him. Now she he's Okay, I know I'm bringing this up. Is that right now? Wait, wait. Is that part true? Yes. He paid this woman to have virtual no, sex with him. Not this one. They had another time. The avatars. One, the av- the vert one time. Cause this new one, she'd be, he'd been having this relationship for two weeks. But there was another time that she'd had sex with 40. And then she also hired a detective, an online virtual detective, to also just kind of set him up to see if he would cheat on her. He didn't. He, he uh, passed that one. But then she caught him with the prostitute the other time, which, by the way, he had she paid. If it's, it's uh, Second Life or whatever you call that, they actually do pay to have prostitutes, like if it was real world. They actually do pay, you know? So people are paying. Yeah, they're paying to do no, I'm trying to wrap my, my, wrap my mind around this because this is, this is really bizarre. People are paying other people on Second Life to have virtual sex with them, but they're not actually touching them in any way. They're watching their avatars have sex in the virtual life. Now, what gets to me is, okay, you're a 40-year-old man. I still can't man, get over that. And so, you've got a 28-year-old wife. And you haven't paying somebody. Okay, you're paying actually even just to be online in the virtual world. And you're having your jollies with this online. 
Uh, my question is, who's to blame her? Is it the wife that's not even, she keeps walking into him having sex. I mean, is there something, there's something wrong with this whole picture, no matter how you look at it. He's paying somebody to have sex with a cartoon, and he's watching the cartoon. And his wife keeps coming in and catching him. This is the other part. She keeps catching him. It's like, she, obviously he wants her to know, or she wouldn't be catching him so frequently. But he's doing this when, obviously, she knows, he knows that she can catch him. Well, I mean... She's caught him several times doing this, right? So was he in the act of, you know, doing individual love or something, to put it delicately, while he was watching the cartoons or something? No, they don't say that part. They just say that she keeps catching him having virtual sex with these people. Okay, well... So that means that, obviously, he's doing this while she's awake, calm, and alert. Because <laughs> she keeps doing it. Then maybe he's a maybe he's addicted he to, to sex. He, he's a sex addict, maybe. Or he wants to get caught. Well, he's getting divorced now, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, I just I just kind of thought that was hilarious. I thought that was the weirdest thing. That was totally un HR related. Well, let me ask you this. Let's just turn it around into HR in some kind of way. What would an HR person do? Let's just say an HR, the right. director of HR, and he finds and you find out that your employees are engaging in. Uh, sexual activity in the virtual world. Or is this even any kind of porn on the internet too? By the way. Yeah, not yeah, Ken. Ken, I, I know if you have like naked pictures on your computer, you can get you know you can get fired. But if your avatar is having, cause presumably you can't really track Second Life activity over the keyboard like you can a picture. Like if you have like if you have a picture on your uh-huh. laptop and it resides on your C drive, uh-huh. then they could pick up on that. I guess if you are in Second Life for a period of time, they can track that you're actually in Second Life, uh-huh. but they can't really track what you're doing in Second Life unless they're physically looking at your screen. This is going to kind of go back to, like, what we were talking about yesterday the day with um, about LinkedIn, okay? And I was reading, um, actually, this is kind of interesting, because I was reading IBM's business agreement, and they actually talk, they call it, Virtual world, meaning yeah. anything on the Internet versus real world, okay? Right. And they do pretty much say that if in any shape, way, or form you are performing, your virtual persona does not reflect well on the company, it will be cause for dismissal. If your virtual persona. Yeah. Now, let's see, how would they know is your I mean, it could persona? Not any way. I mean, if they just happen to find out. Any shape, way, or form. I mean, they kind of walked into the room, like how this woman happens to walk in the room, and I'm sure it happens quite a bit. Well, what if my okay? Let's say my persona is um, Austin Powers, right? Uh-huh. And I, and online, my name is Austin Powers 08 or something, right? right? It has nothing to do with what I'm doing at, at at the job. It's just a crazy persona thing that I do for 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 giggles. Mm-hmm. And say someone at my at the workplace finds out that my second life persona is Austin Powers 08, and they make a big stink about it. Mm-hmm. What what did I have to do with them or the company if I'm doing it on my own time and not even identifying myself as someone who works for that company? That's what they said. Like you can, and they even clarify that in here. They say, look, we know that you have your own life and your your ability to do as you see fit when at your own time frame, right? And they do mention that too. But what they said, it's like uh, there will be times where your pers- you know, where it can be identifiable. And in fact, I can read this. IBM respects the legal rights of our employees in all countries in which we operate on their own time. Mm-hmm. As mentioned above, what you do in your own time is generally your own affair. 
However, you do need to consider with your digital persona could be linked that uh, whether your digital or personal could be linked to IBM and activities in which you participate at your own time. Any conduct that adversely affects your performance as an IBM employee, that of other employees or IBM's legitimate business interests will result in disciplinary actions, including dismissal. So it's like they're not just saying black and white. It's saying like if it affects us, that's oh. So how could so I guess the question is how can Austin Powers 08 that wouldn't affect the business of IBM. Austin Powers was saying that he worked at IBM. Okay, if Austin Powers was saying, I work at IBM, I can't stand it, my boss sucks, then that would be a different story. Hmm. See, but if Austin Powers is just going ahead and being Austin Powers in his own little imagination world and never brings up IBM, I could see then no problem. Well, all right. I just thought it was weird and... Hey, did you hear about I I wrote what I wrote on Twitter? Have you seen my recent Twitter? Uh, was it about the global meltdown of the economy? Well, that one, yeah, but there's a lot of jobs being cut right now, right? Yeah, ooh. You know what? I saw I was out somewhere the other day. Um, I was hanging out with a buddy of mine, David Pritchard. Mm-hmm. And David, if you're listening, hey, that's my shout out to you. But I was hanging out with, with David Pritchard and. I was walking by um, this TV that was um, in the facility where he worked, and on the screen was CNN. They were saying that the unemployment claims, uh, unemployment benefit claims, are the highest they have been in like 25 years. Ah, yes, and then you know I was what? like, wow. Long-term unemployment has been the highest it's ever been since World War II. Now that's the, okay. Now let me tell you something. I did. You know how long of how how long have you known me? Say don't look at unemployment and those numbers and say that that's what's going on. Uh, since you were born. Okay. Now can I would like to stress something. I'd like to make a distinct some distinctions here. Right. From here on out, what we were going to talk about is the unemployed. Those are the ones collecting un- um, unemployment benefits. Right. Or, long- or most of America. Which is, yeah. <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like that. The long-term unemployed. Right. The ones are the big one of the biggest numbers actually. Those are the people that have lost their jobs, stopped collecting unemployment, and are no still not looking, um, still working and still looking. I mean, not working and still looking for the new job. Right. 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 And then there's the displaced worker. Those are the ones that are actually laid off. Those are the ones who were laid off, but no, actually, but those are the jobs that are actually still existing, but they're now li- li- existing in Africa or India or China right. or America or South America. Right. That's the dis- In other words, they're taking the job away from the American and maybe even moved it to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So those are the displaced workers. So we, the job still exists for the American company. They're just not in America. Right. Right. And then, most importantly, this is the biggest one of all. The underemployed American. And those are people who are working in... almost every America right right now. Right, people working in jobs that they're obviously overqualified for, but a job is better than no job. Right, it's a lot... Under The underemployed could be so many things. The underemployed could be your boss cutting your hours, which is a lot of people. Yes. That is also... It could be the people who right now are making less money than they should be making. In fact, people don't know this. Right now, wages has we've reduced wages ten times. Uh, no, sorry, seven times in the last eight years, wages have been reduced. Really? Is that, you say reduced? Are you talking about the national average, or are you talking about particular cities? 
No, they're talking nationally and especially in it. Okay, even though they have gone up like 0.25% or 0.5%, it's always about 0.05, 0 0.5 on there. But unfortunately, based upon inflation, it was not enough to keep up with inflation. So, like, for example, houses went up 2,000% in some places, like California, right? Right. But your wages only went up like 25 cents an hour. Hmm. So that was 0.25%. Right. You're only making ten cents an hour raise, or five cents an hour, or twenty-five cents, but yet your houses and your cars. I mean, think about how much bread just went up. Bread went up over forty, fifty percent. We've got things that have gone up, like cars and all that, in the last ten years. You got to look. That there hasn't been a national. The PCs people do not write in and try to correct me. Okay, there has not been a national um, minimum wage raise in over fifteen years. Get out. Think about it. Wait, wait a minute. There was one under Clinton. Nope. Every state can has has to. Not every state actually. Only like fifteen states did it. Right. But states. What happened? I think it was Clinton who did this actually, which is like, ah, you know. But Clinton was one of the people who got rid of the inter, the national um, uh, minimum wage. Okay, which is what we're striving to try to get back. Okay. Mm. But what happened is they left it to per state. Allow the state to decide, each state to decide which or what they want to do, which is why California raised theirs, and, you know, Atlanta, may have, Georgia may have raised theirs, and New York may have raised theirs, but it wasn't on a national level. Hmm. So that's the problem is that, you know, people kept thinking, oh, this is great, you know, we, you know, companies can manage to go ahead and be successful because they don't want to pay all these wages. Well, the problem is it's when you cheapen your labor to the point that nobody can afford to buy your product, which is, uh, excuse me, look at the automotive industry today. Right. I mean, today what we did is we cheapened our labor by taking it over to India and Mexico and all these other countries. My gosh, people in California, we have so many Mexicans going to Mexico to get American jobs. Now, how is that for irony? That is irony. In fact, there was the, the Onion had about say, 10 years ago, it was 8 years ago, had written a really funny joke about that. And at the time, it was a joke. It was talking about how the people, these Mexicans were actually getting, they are having to cross the border at night and try to escape in to get into their, they're called expatriates, and they know the people in Mexico didn't want them to come in there and to get their jobs, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, you left and went to America to get those jobs, and you didn't stick around. Now you don't get to come back. That was the joke, right? Hmm. But, you know, the irony about this is that, you know, think about it. These people are having all, a lot of our jobs, people in Mexico. And you know what's interesting, too? Here's another thing that people don't know. A lot, do you know that per capita, hmm. people in Mexico are more educated than ours? Say that again really slow so people can hear that. Per capita. Per capita. College degrees, especially engineering, in Mexico City especially, and here in America, per capita, there are more college degreed and engineering. Hold on, there are more. There are, you're saying there are more college degree engineers in yes. Mexico per capita than they are here in the United States. Wow, that's. I read where, that. Can, show me, tell, me, tell people where you got that stat from, because everyone wants to know that. I want to know that. Where'd you get that stat from? Last company. It was a little small box, very t really tiny. From tiny where? Box. Say it again. 
Like, get... I wish I had the article. I don't have it right in front of me. I read this thing about, say, four or five months ago. It was a small little box in the Fast Company. I believe it was Fast Company. Yeah, mm. because it's one of those things that you keep in your bathroom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, I like Fast Company. <laughs> hey, Fast Company, yeah. listening, I like you. <laughs> Sponsor right. our program. Go ahead. <laughs> makes it interesting, right? Well, anyways, my husband was the one who showed it to me, and I'm like, no way. And, I mean, it's a little tiny box about it. You know, and so then it made me thinking, okay, so what is the truth about this education here? And when these, you hear people keep talking about this war for talent, which we don't have, which obviously we don't have right now and never have. In fact, even back eight months ago, if every baby boomer were to retire even today, we still didn't have enough jobs to support our economy, which right now we can tell, okay? Now the numbers are becoming obvious. Do not look at unemployment numbers and think that that is a significant example of what's happening in our economy. Because for the longest time, we did not know. I mean, seriously, if you were to keep all the, un- I mean, the underemployed, okay, I think I mentioned this to you. I'm kind of rambling a little bit here. Just a little. Today you and I were talking about this. Mm. They were talking about how the poverty level actually got better. Right, yeah, right, 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 it did. This overall, although, although it was the cash 22, but go ahead. The overall that they showed that the um, poverty rate had improved. And that was because a whole bunch of rich people kind of like went into poverty level, and so the poverty level went a little higher because these guys weren't as bad as the ones below them. Right. Okay, but actually, it actually got worse because it means there's more people in the poverty level than there used to be before. It's just that it doesn't seem that way because they just got a little bit, they're a little bit classier. They got nicer houses. Which is the cash 22. Right. They got a little nicer houses, they got a little nicer cars, but the problem is they're going to still end up losing them too. You know, but the, and it will end up getting worse because these guys will end up losing more along the way, which is sad. So the thing is, when we look at what the actual unemployment, okay, we lost 240,000 jobs, right? Mm-hmm. In the last three months, we looked at about 651 jobs. Since December, we're looking at 1.2 million jobs. That's 120,000 jobs per month. So what we're saying right now, they said 240,000 in October were unemployed. That's the legal term for unemployment. But... Now, they're saying that the number of unemployed persons that rose to 10 million. Now, those are the people who are going to be collecting unemployment, right? Right. Now, long-term unemployment, though, rose to 12% compared with September, and it went 69% more compared to a year ago. That's 2.3 million who have been unemployed 27 weeks or more. That's an increase of 249,000 over the month, and 942,000 over the past 12 months. So that's, wow. now we, that's another additional to the unemployed, right? Right. Now, the unemployment rate for minorities, blacks, is at 11%. Rate for Hispanics is another, uh, that also continues to grow. Now, let's go ahead. This is the part that scares me the most. Hmm. College educated. This is the one. Yeah, that was, a, I know we were talking about it earlier, about how, um, they make up the majority, though. Isn't that what we were talking about before? That's the majority. Yeah, this is the part that scares me because I'm everybody. I've been saying for a long time, we don't have a college education shortage. We have more kids who are college educated today than baby boomers. Okay, but to prove this, 
1.4 million, million college-educated Americans are now unemployed, accounting for over 58% of the total rise of unemployment among people over 25 years old. That means that the, the clear signal that the distress in the financial sector is generating unemployment at the top of the education ladder. Now, we're talking 25 years old. That's a person who just came out of college, as well we're talking all the way to the other spectrum, a person who's in their 40s with wow. a lot of experience, okay? And I had been saying this for a long time. People kept telling me I was nuts. I kept saying, look, if we stopped asking for too much, we would have what we need. In regards to filling positions, meaning don't talk so much, don't put the um, the the what was the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you put in your job description, don't don't harbor so much on college degrees. Well, I say well, obviously we, the college degrees are there, but what the people will go with is they'll say I need ten years experience for a job that only requires three years. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. So oh, yeah. re- relax the requirements on how many years of experience you need. Yeah, I mean, it's like what I've been saying for a long time. I said, look, if there really was a war for talent, jobs wouldn't have been taking so long to get filled. You wouldn't have seen wages being declining like they had. And guess what? I knew, you and I knew this. It wasn't me. I mean, reading the facts, I'm just quoting stuff. But you know, I talk about this. This was coming. Because it was inevitable to see this explosion because, again, you've got all these companies saying, we want to keep getting these CEOs saying, look, we need to make more profit for the company. Well, they were making the profit for the company, but the problem is they were doing Reaganomics in reverse. Every time that they cheapened the labor, that meant that was another person who couldn't afford, another family who couldn't afford to buy their product because it was a trickle-down effect. If I, my husband gets lowered money and he loses his job and he loses hours, that's underemployed. He loses hours. They say, you know what, you were working for 40 hours, but you want to keep your job, you're going to have to go down to 35 or even 20 hours. What yeah. was that joke that you and I were reading about this other day? They said you can always tell when a person's underemployed because they have more than two, they have less than two jobs. <laughs> right. They have more than two right. jobs, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean. Because the fact is, is that that was what was happening. You had to have two or even three jobs now to con- to compensate for the hours that you want to keep up with. Or they say, how many times have we seen, hey, you want to keep your job? You're going to have to take a reduction in pay. We've seen that happening too, right? Uh, yeah, this happened to a friend of mine, actually a few friends of mine. Exactly. And so these companies are saying, well, yeah, yeah, we've got... We, we're going to keep, they used to do that constantly. We're going to start, we're going to make sure the factory is closed in the summer, try to keep our, to try to save power, you know. But, you know, we're going to have people in Mexico do the job or India do the job because we want to save money. The problem that they didn't realize in doing this was that the downfall was when my husband lost hours, that meant that little Janie and little Bill can't go to dancing classes. That means that the roofer can't come and fix that hole in the roof anymore. That means the guy that does a pool for us, he just lost us as a client. That means a new car we were going to buy, that's not, that's a wet dream that's never going to happen. All the people that depended on me and all the other people that work at that plant are now, they're, not, they're now hurting too. And so are their clients, I mean, they're the people that they depended on them. And that means also the supermarket's going to be expecting to hurt too because I'm not going to be buying expensive steaks anymore. So right. this is why it's called Reaganomics in reverse. Right. We cheapened ourselves. Well, let me look, let's, let's, try, let's, let's try to find silver lining in this because you, you're going to depress people even more. Well, the thing about it is right now we have to be. 
because they've got to say, how do we fix this mess? We've been lied to for so long. How do we fix it? Okay, that's a long-term problem. Let me get, let me get it's some not of, a long-term problem. It is a long-term problem because you can't fix it overnight. If you can't fix it overnight, it's long-term. Fix it overnight. Epi.org actually came up with a solution that can be fixed within a year, two, or three. Remember, Clinton what? managed to do this. He actually did it by creating loans for the small businesses, making sure it wasn't as much the big businesses as much, but the small businesses. That's the majority of the employers in this world. That's, a, deba- that's, that's, that's a debatable business. strategy. That's a debatable strategy. Now, here's another thing. You've got to have the government create more jobs for school infrastructures and churches and, and highways and freeways, et cetera. When they create those jobs, it, because I mean, here's another thing people Well, how about, this? How, about people, how about people create more businesses that they can do um, of their own and become more entrepreneurial? Well, and find clients in other countries is not the same thing. This is a very, very, very significant deal. That, and this is important, because oh. one of the things that, if you notice, the government does not get hurt uh, in regards to um, the jobs, okay? It's uh, when you see that the jobs are going, okay, most of the jobs that we're seeing that are lost are in private sector, because government jobs are less sensitive to business cycles that than people are, okay? Right, business. because you always have military, always have police and firemen and that kind of thing. Hey, not just that, too, but it's just that they don't have... Well, you know what? I've, I've, heard, of some fire, I've heard of some fire stations, seasonal. at least here in Atlanta, being closed down. Well, well, think about it. They don't depend on seasonal aspects. The hospitals will always be working. The schools will always be going. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Okay, so the thing is, they, remember, they bring services that we are constantly in need of. So when the government creates, they say, like, for example, here in L.A., we have some schools that are just in dire need for repair. So when they go ahead and say, we're going to create better schools, which also better brings better education for us anyways, for our kids, or you bring better health care, because we have a lot of baby boomers anyways, so we're going to bring better services at the health care, we bring better hospitals, and that creates jobs for everyone. Right now, we're losing school teachers like crazy here in California. Because they're not getting paid. Actually, school they teachers got, should have been paid better for years. Fired. We fired them. Well, now's the time to. Well, actually, you know what? If you are a teacher and you're looking for an opportunity, I suggest you check out English Cafe, which has a program <laughs> they're working on right now to Good help employ you. English teachers. Plug. So that's a plug there. Um, but the, the, I'm looking at the clock. We're about out of time. So, um, people, I want you guys to final, write to final, final, thirty, final ten I'm seconds. I'm saying this: you have to. Don't be depressed. Take action. We've been lied to for so long. Now stand up and make sure we consistently get the truth. I'm going to give you another thing that I want you guys to look up. Did you know that the debt is actually, when it comes out, it's going to be fifty-six trillion dollars, not eleven? Okay, thanks for that bit of sunshine. Well, actually, no. Look at it as reality. If we are being lied to, how do we prevent it from happening well, anymore? If it was $50 trillion or $100 trillion, you know it's a lot of debt. And I was thinking, actually, you ask yourself, then why were we not aware of this before, and what could we have done to prevent this? And if we keep our eyes open, we can prevent further things from happening. All right. On that note, let me, let me try to end something on positive. I've got to end something on a positive note here. Because you're, you're about depressed me with all this, no matter how reality Sorry, it is. Sorry, I don't I, I know it's reality and whatnot, but it's, it's just, just know, think of some, gonna, put some okay, positive. Wait, stop. Put some positivity out here. I think it's depressing. Let me put, it is reality, but you don't have to, like, get depressed by it. But I, I want to put some kind of positivity out here. There you go. If you are a recruiter and if you are hurting because you think your job is gone or is about to be gone or perhaps it is gone, 
Yes. You may want to consider switching industries that you recruit for. I'm going to give you a couple of examples uh, to keep in mind. I was with a friend of mine earlier um, who recruits in the healthcare sector, yes. and they are doing well. So if you are a, a physician well, recruiter, wait, if you're a physician recruiter, um, I just looked on salary.com and looked up a few figures. Um, if you're a physician recruiter, on the low end, you make $57,415 on the Medium range, higher end, seventy-seven thousand four hundred fifteen dollars. Of course, it's not. Walmart's kicking butt. Teach. You can always go work there too. That does not include commissions and bonuses and other kind of stuff. That's just straight salary. Okay, not jokingly. Actually, um, keep looking at what the government uh, stimuli bill is going to be because those industries that they're going to be giving most of the stimuli to, like for example, construction, is going to be picking up. If, for example, so the social thinking that this will be, you should you should recruit for the construction industry. Uh, absolutely, not yet. Don't go into it yet because it's too early. But if the government is going to continue to go ahead and open up all those jobs, yeah. they will be utilizing construction companies to fix those schools, the roads, and as well the hospitals, of course. So that means construction is going to build up tremendously. Well, I also would suggest you check out executive recruitment, which has always been. Um, lucrative. I, I would not suggest that. But you know, this is why I would suggest it, and you tell me. You, we'll argue back and forth. I would suggest it not as as a long term strategy because a lot of the executives that you would have difficult getting next to you and getting the contact and getting to talk to you, you can get them to talk to you now because things are so interesting. When yeah, the market they won't have turns, you to put them into unless they want to go way down below their. Well, scale. It's, it's good to build up your database now. We have people to talk to now. Would say the the economy was different. Or you want, prefer, okay, then you have a people that jail either too. So what? You gotta make sure the executives you're talking to won't be going to jail in the next couple of months. Well, well yeah. Well, not every executive is evil. Not I didn't every, say not, it, right? I know. It's not every executive is, is doesn't work for um, what was that company you signed? AIG? AIG. Yeah. Every executive doesn't work there either, or Enron. So, <laughs> no, no, no. If you, wait, 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 wait. If you as a long, I mean, that's not even get me started on that. Uh, okay. As a long-term strategy, executive recruitment is something Actually, that you want to look at. Suggestion in no, because we're out of time. Wait, no, you're out of time. Potential. No, uh, ah, you're still talking. But financial industry, actually, there's, the government is going to be having to recreate a bunch of loans and do a bunch of refinancing in a lot of these companies. When they go ahead and get rid of a lot of the people who are being kicked out of these, of these jobs and are losing their licenses, they have to also get people who are also familiar in rewriting those loans, et cetera. So I would suggest developing that it's like going from left to right in regards to the financial you want to look at that area too because it's not a completely dead industry in the opposite if you go to a new area in the financial world the spectrum where the government is now looking to say we have to revamp and there you can they're looking for the experts a lot of them will be people who have sarbanes oxy experience for example you're going to see a lot more regulation coming out too so you're going to want people who are familiar with regulatory issues Okay, and on the last note, before we go, without any other interruption, another thing you may want to look at is the legal recruiting field. Um, the average legal huh. recruiter's salary is from oh, six yeah. to four thousand, and on the low end, up to ninety-nine thousand on the like high end. Easy. Sixty-four, sixty-four thousand low end, ninety-nine thousand on the high end. You may want to consider I legal recruiting. I one suggestion to recruiters: recruiters know your law because right now lawsuits are going up like crazy. Every time there's a recession, you will see more and more employment lawsuits. People get frustrated for not getting employed, and also because discrimination does go up. The more opportunity, and you'll see, it especially with age. Okay, so guys, be careful. Don't just take an order because your client wants you to. 
Don't yes. just do it because you want to make money. It is not worth it. It is not worth because, again, it is not for the candidate to go ahead and, fix, and prove you guilty. It is for you to prove your innocence. It is not worth it. And even if you win, it's a hollow victory having to spend over $100,000 in legal fees. That's how I want to close, if you don't mind. You are so happy to be podcasting today. All that was just bursting out. Of, you were just holding that in all day, weren't you? But it is bursting out of me because I'm like, thank gosh. You know, we have. Wait, been, wait, wait. You, you get it. You so can wait. Stop, 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 stop. What was true and what wasn't. Stop. Oh. Stop it. No. Stop. If you want to continue this conversation with Karen, please give her a call. I mean, an email. You can reach her at Karen. I don't care. You can, you can email her at Karen at the recruiterslounge.com. Or if you want to reach me, Jim Stroud, you can reach me at Jim at the recruiterslounge.com. If you call me, we will talk calmly and have a concise conversation. If you call Karen, you will get the opposite. But you know oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that just from listening to this podcast. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> Getting into because it's like I mean this is something that you and I have had. Uh, yes. So if anyone else wants to continue this conversation with Karen, please contact her directly. <laughs> On that note, I'm Jim Stroud. That's Karen, and we're going to say bye bye. Bye bye, I'm Jim. Bye bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We We out. out. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge Podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!